Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry and uses the imaginary Airzatz Coffee Shop as its platform to bring you a conversation about a plethora of scintillating topics. We don't shy away from any issue that is plaguing our culture or the church today, whether it's current cultural issues, questions about Bible verses, or even just some banter to encourage you. Dr. Jay Christensen is the Truth Barista, and he and amazing Larry Kutzler brew up highly caffeinated conversations for our day. Grab a cup of joe, pop yourself down in the booth next to us, and get ready to think. The Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry, and it's listener-supported. For more information about The Truth Barista, go to highbeamministry.com. Thanks for listening. 19th chapter of Revelation. Listen to this, beginning at verse 11. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, he's coming back. Once again, we're on the air and on the internet with the Truth Barista. It is I, the Truth Barista, Dr. J. Christensen. Pretty hoity-toity, huh? Oh, you're hoity-toity, that's for sure. Well, we're going to get into the book of Revelation. Do you realize this is the eighth episode that we are doing now, and we're still not out of uh, chapter two and three of the message to the churches, but we'll move along, I think, maybe. I don't know, but we're uh, we're having a good time. Yeah, but this is really, really important. And I know that with High Beam Ministry and the Truth Barista Radio and, and podcast and all the resources that we give here, this is more than just a Bible study. Because you and I know that when we sit down to do this, we want to talk about how this applies to Christians individually. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about how this applies to the church as a whole. And how these things apply to the church interacting with the culture, Christians interacting with the culture, the world around them. So really, this is more than just, a, you know, this is more than just your standard Bible study here on the air. We're here to really speak into things and to bring some truth, uh, speak truth to power yeah. and speak truth to those who really need lifting up and encouraging. Amen. And there's some, I'll tell you, you get into these last few churches here, Jesus' message is a little brutal. And it's totally wonderful at the same time. It's amazing. Well, and if our audience misses an episode or two, they can get caught up and begin with episode one. And as I said, this is episode eight. They can catch up on what we've been talking about this last, I don't know, month or so. Yeah. And where did they go? Yeah, they can. They just just go to highbeamministry.com. Let me say that slower. Highbeamministry.com. 
ministry.com. Thank you very much, everybody. Yeah. Go there, check out all the resources we have. Listen to the past podcasts. We have over 350 podcasts posted. I'm sure you're going to find something you're going to like. Oh, sure. Speaking of liking something, can we get into the word here? Yeah. Well, let me just have a short little commentary if we can uh, do that. You know, we're talking about the churches. Jesus is talking to the churches. So I think this is appropriate. You know, in Hosea, throughout the Old Testament, for sure, God is talking to his people about, you know, their waywardness. They're they're cashing in on their relationship with him for the gods of the world. And so Hosea 6.6 6 says this, For I desire faithful love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And I think sometimes, Pastor Jay, that the modern church often talks much about the burnt offerings. It's the ministry aspect. And I think that's what we're seeing in this dissertation from Jesus to the seven churches. He's talking about their burnt offerings because they left him behind in the dust, so to speak. And so I think this is very appropriate. God wants relationship, not religion, not the burnt offerings that so often we do rather than having that close relationship with him. Let me modify that if I may. Sure. Okay. You right. Hosea is a parallelism. And what does he say? I want covenant love you know, this, I want this faithfulness. That means faithfulness to the covenant we have with him and knowledge of him. Those two things have to go together. He wants us to know him and to be faithful to him, not the other two things which are the same, religious works. Now, here's my modification. Given the choice, he wants both. He wants our love and faithfulness. He wants us to know who he is. And out of that should flow our works. But our works should not come before or instead of all that. And that really does go right into the churches we're going to talk about today. Well, often we talk about, you know, the gift. People have gifts in the church. And oftentimes we follow the person who has the gift of speaking and administration. And we sort of elevate them to a position that is really not kosher when it comes to who is important in the church. The only one that's important in the church, really, Dr. J, is Jesus. So a friend of mine sent me a bunch of articles just before this podcast, this radio show, and I was reading, and these these are national named people, and I'm not going to name them, but one has been in trouble in the past because of his demeanor to people and so forth, and it's happening again. But people follow him because he's a great speaker, But here's the problem. We don't and shouldn't hire people or put people in positions of leadership that have a gift only. It should be character first and then gift. I mean, if you go back to 1 Timothy 3 and it talks about putting in elders and so forth, it doesn't mention anything about the gift of speaking or administration. It's about character and character only. And I think that's where we've gone wrong. These uh, chapters 2 and 3 have to do with the gift. They're they're going on their own way. They're leaving Jesus behind or they're lukewarm or whatever. They've lost the character of following Christ as he dictates and as he wants. That's true. You know, if you look at the biblical choice between the spiritual gift that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, and then he goes on to explain in 1 Corinthians 14, sandwiched between those two chapters is chapter 13, the love chapter. Right. Love is the greatest of all fruits, and then Paul bookends it with the gift. Mm -hmm. So in other words, it's not one or the other. It should be both. But if given a choice, again, love. 
because without love, then the gifts are meaningless. But then again, this is what John is talking about in these churches. He Jesus repeatedly says, I know your works, but you have this character issue. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know the good things that you're doing, but there's this corruption. You know, there's this big butt hanging out there that Jesus just sits on the churches and he's going, okay, we're going to have it out right here. Okay, let's talk about this right now. Why? Because he loves his body. He loves his church. He loves his people. And he doesn't want to remove their menorah from his holy temple, the building of God. He wants all of us to continue to shine bright for him, to grow in character and the gifts and the good works. And so this is why John receives this revelation of Jesus, to set the churches right, because John is going to reveal, this is what's coming. Mm -hmm. And if you guys aren't standing strong, you will fall. This is Jesus' heart cry, I believe, even to the church around the world today, especially to the Western churches. Amen. If you don't stand strong, you will fall. And it's a character issue. It's not necessarily a good works issue. You want to see works and character? You go look at the persecuted church. Mm-hmm. There, they are doing great works, standing firm for God, in, in developing the character to do so. They can only do it because of the character they've developed under persecution. So, by the way, here, I'm going to give a plug to another ministry, Voice of the Martyr. Man, you, you sign up. Give a few bucks to Voice of the Martyrs because they're supporting the persecuted church around the world. We also support, as High Beam Ministry, some of these ministries with our tithes from the offerings and the gifts that we receive, the financial support we receive. So, um, hey, we're all in this together. So I think that's important to even mention that I believe High Beam Ministry gives 10% of what comes in to these kinds of ministries you're mentioning. Is that correct? Right. Yes, we do. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's that's admirable. You know, in the book of Hebrews, the Hebrew writer says something very interesting because it's it's the theme of accountability. And that's what we're missing in many of our churches and denominations today is the accountability, first to God and his word, but then to each other as well. But this is what he says, no creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? To whom we must give an account. So we will give an account similar to what we're seeing here in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. Oh man, we did not plan this, but that is such a wonderful segue. Listen to what Jesus says to the church at Thyatira. Now, the previous two churches was Ephesus, the church of love grown cold, the church of Smyrna, which is the persecuted church, and the Pergamum church, which is the compromising church. Now we're moving to the corrupt church, Thyatira. This is what he says. This is chapter 2, verse 18. Write to the angel of the church in Thyatira. In other words, write this, John, to the leader of that congregation. Thus says the Son of God, which, by the way, the word Son of God there indicates he is the ruler. He is Israel's Messiah. That's what Son of God means, right? The one whose eyes are like a fiery flame. You just mentioned that. Fi eyes of a fiery flame are eyes that see with holy vision. They see sin. They see corruption. They see all and they know all. And whose feet are like bronze. Bronze is used in the construction of the articles of the temple, like the big bronze sacrificial altar that deals with sin and the bronze bath or laver or pool that contains water to cleanse after you've done your sacrifice and as you're doing your sacrifice. Verse 19. 
I know your works, your love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. I know that your works are greater than the first, but I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great affliction. Unless they repent of her works, I will strike her children dead. No, isn't that kind, loving, little, gentle Jesus right there? (laughs) It's not John saying this. This is Jesus saying this. Wouldn't you love to hear that message preached on a Sunday? If you all don't repent, Jesus is going to come and nuke you. Well, I guess, yeah, you're right. I'm laughing because it's so bizarre. When have we heard a message like that from a pulpit? Well, I find it interesting. Your, Your last works are greater than the first. So we're talking about a growing church, a more perfected church, right? I mean, we're, they're moving right. into a dimension they have never had before, success and, and all of that, and yet he's still not happy with them because it's not about success. It's about faithfulness and, and repentance, you know, to get rid of the things that we're, where we've drifted off from him. And his issue, which we'll get into, is, yeah, despite all of the good works you have, there is a deep stinky, pus-filled corruption in your congregation that needs to be addressed, and you're just tolerating it, and you're not doing anything about it. Verse 23, listen again, I will strike her children dead. In other words, he's going to put an end to the people, not only to the woman who's causing this, but he's going to put an end to those who are following her. Why? Because this is his congregation, not hers, right? And he is the king with the fire eyes who sees the corruption and will deal with it. And the result, then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your works. I say to the rest of you at Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who haven't known the so-called secrets of Satan, as they say, and I'm not putting any other burden on you, okay? He says, for all of you who aren't participating in this, great, I'm not going to put anything else on you. But, 25, only hold on to what you have until I return, until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. And what does he quote? The same authority he has. And he will rule them with an iron scepter and he will shatter them like pottery. I'll explain that in a little bit. Just as I have received this from my father, in other words, the ability to rule, I will also give him, in other words, the faithful one, the morning star. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, so let's unpack this a little more. Okay, amazing, Larry. We have a previous congregation that compromised. What happens when we compromise? It isn't long until corruption sets in. And that's what the congregation at Thyatira was experiencing. The congregation had a sin faction going. <laughs> See what I did there? See? Uh-huh. Right? Oh, you're you're okay. clever, clever, clever. Thank you, thank you. The congregation had a sin faction that Jesus needed to burn out and destroy. Jesus comes to them as the judge ready to pass sentence on. On him. Now, the congregation's upside is their demonstrated and increasing love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. The downside is the leadership is tolerating blatant sin. That's the sign of a corrupt Christian or congregation, and I would even say denomination. You know, it's not the temptation to sin or the isolated sin. Corruption is embedded, unaddressed sin. Now, here's what stuck out to me as I was reading this today. You have a congregation that is 
full of good works and is corrupted, or is it a corrupted church that happens to have some good works attached to it? It's, it's a confusion. It's a contradiction. In other words, the corrupt church doing good works or the good works that's corrupt is an oxymoron. You know, like some of the comedians used to, to kid about, you know, other oxymorons, business ethics, you know, military intelligence, you know, <laughs> government efficiency. Anyway, I'm just having fun. But here's the takeaway. It is possible to have both in a person and in a congregation and a denomination. Good works and corruption. But here's the key. Corruption spreads. It works death where there should be life moving forward. And eventually you'll have some works outwardly, but there's death inwardly, which by the way, will be the next church we talk about. Okay. So there's a temptation today to do good works, yet tolerate blatant sin and those who teach and justify it. And by the way, I have heard some very well-known teachers lately teaching some things that should not be taught. I have seen churches, individual congregations, and denominations that are doing boatloads of good works, but they're teaching the most foundational sins, terrible sins in their bodies, with their bodies, that should not be done. And yet they're tolerating it. I see this as a message to very liberal denominations that are tolerating sin and even commending sin and yet saying, oh, but look at all the good works we're doing. And Jesus is saying, no. Again, to those congregations, I would say corruption spreads. Corruption has an active influence, and that needs to be dealt with. Either that or withdraw and join a good denomination. Well, I love what you said earlier about Thyatira that, hey, listen, this isn't your church, Jezebel, or pastor. It belongs to the Lord, and that's whom we follow. And I think the other day I was driving down the road and I realized how much we have become segregated from each other. Well, this is the Evangelical Free Church. This is the Church of Christ. This is the Assemblies. This is Nazarene. This is whatever. And I'm saying to myself, well, wait a minute. You know, and, and we have all these little tribes, these little cell groups, I call them, and, and they're all a part of the body of Christ, and yet we're so separated. And I'm going, I'm not sure that's the way Jesus wants it. Does he want us separated from each other and from him? What do you think? Okay, in my personal opinion, I think, yes, we are one body under Jesus. Number two, there are significant differences that we are working through as, a, as an entire congregation relative to what's heresy, you know, unbiblical stuff versus biblical stuff. There are different flavors where it's like within what's acceptable as biblical. It's like, well, this congregation believes in this side of a doctrine, such as eternal security. This congregation believes more of you could lose your salvation, reform versus the other Arminian versus Calvinist type stuff. However, we all, within that biblical basis, we all believe Jesus is the Savior. He is the only solution. So, as I've talked with different pastors, that's the ground that we agree on, and we agree that sin is sin, okay? Your particular flavor is not a sin. Sin is sin, okay? So, that's fine. Overall, I think it really does come down to that, you know, do you embrace Jesus as the Lord and the Savior and the building block of salvation, and you have to accept God's Word as the inspired Word, because that's the basic revelation of all this. Now, it's interesting, and I'm going to give a little spoiler alert here, the two churches that get commendation in all of these congregations is the persecuted church and the faithful church. 
And if you want to take and present a remedy to the entire congregation of Jesus' body in the Western Church and around the world, dealing with all of these manifestations within it, all these different kinds of congregations, what it all will boil down to is, when you go into persecution, your faithfulness is proved. And it is in persecution that your faithfulness grows hottest and brightest and most secure. And I'm beginning to think what we need in the Western Church is a great dose of persecution. Because then we're going to stop putting up with these teachers that are teaching garbage, and we're going to throw that garbage out. I'm not talking the teachers. I'm not not picking on them as human beings. I'm just saying we'll throw out that garbage, and we're going to get together on the basis of what is really essential within the body of Christ, which is Jesus, Him alone, His salvation, and get back to doing the core works that we should be doing, growing in the character of Jesus. That, to me, I think is the core. I love it, and you're 100% correct. One of the things I've noticed in this particular message to this church is the idea that He will rule them with an iron scepter, and He will shatter them like pottery. I mean, is this the gentle, kind Savior that nailed himself or had himself nailed to the, to the cross or allowed it to happen? This doesn't seem like Jesus that we often hear about in church, is it? Little, little gentle Jesus who is the shepherd of all the sheep? Why, no, it isn't. He's he is the crusher. He's coming off the turnbuckle to smash Satan and all the works of Satan. Now, I put that in somewhat humorous terms because a lot of us can identify with that, right? But it is no show. Let me tell you why he's threatening such an extreme punishment for this congregation. Because the Thyatiran leadership was tolerating a woman who claimed to be a prophet, but was instead, under the guise of being a prophet, teaching error, thus leading people directly into sin and directly away from God. God's law, amazing Larry, is quite clear about this. It says in Deuteronomy 13, the prophet or dreamer must be put to death because he has urged rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the place of slavery to turn you away from the way of the Lord your God has commanded you to walk. You must purge this evil from you. In other words, there are people who teach things that endanger the salvation of of the people who hear them. And those people should be dead to us. No, this is not saying go out and hurt those people. That is not our job to go out there and, you know, go after them. I mean, yeah, we need to be able to identify them and isolate them and stay away. But really, I'm not saying hurting those people, but I'm saying we should stay away from them. Just say, you know something, you're teaching is wrong, it's deadly, it's harmful, you're dead to me. And I'm gonna just look at the one who's now alive to me, which is Jesus, okay? And by the way, what Jesus is telling them with this threat you just talked about, if the leaders won't do it, Jesus will. He says, I'll throw her on a bed and I'll take care of everybody who's following her. Really, change my mind about that. That's, that's pretty direct what he's saying there. And notice the punishment progression from sickness to tribulation, which is great affliction, to death. The progression is meant to get our attention, specifically the sinner's attention, and to urge all of us to repent. And Jesus says, if they refuse to repent, God will drive them to repent. Why? Because he loves them. We spank our children and discipline them because we love them. Because if we don't, they're going to grow worse and bring harm to themselves and others. This is what Jesus is trying to prevent within this body from spreading the corruption that's going to harm not only the people who are perpetrating this, but the people who are listening and following and the people around them. Corruption is something that has to be dealt with. Why? Because it's like yeast. It will spread through the whole dough 
dough, and eventually you'll get a sour dough. Now, some people like to make sourdough bread, but you get my point. Now, how far this whole thing goes really is up to the center. So that's Jesus' stick and punishment. Jesus' carrot and reward is for those who refuse to allow themselves to be compromised, who keep my works to the end. That's verse 26. They will reject corrupt teachers, pastors, leaders, influencers on social media. These overcoming Christians will share in Jesus' rulership of the world. Why? Because they proved their integrity. Da-da! Da-da! Mic drop, right? Well, yeah. Dr. J, we've been uh, talking about uh, these churches. We've got more to come before we get into the the judgment issues that uh, Revelation reveals. But if people want to know more about you or the Truth Barista, the program, the podcast, how do they get it? And what do we want people to do as a result of the teaching that we're bringing to them? Number one, go to highbeamministry.com. That's like car high beams. Why? Because we based it on Psalm 119.105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And as we're driving down the road of life, we need God's word to illuminate the road in front of us. We need help every single every single mile along the way, okay? Amen. Otherwise, we might get tired and exhausted. We may end yeah, up in the ditch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll wind up upside down. Okay, so... If you want to catch up on any of these programs, go to highbeamministry.com, look for the podcast page. On the podcast page, look for the refill button. When you hit that, you go to a page that has our archives on there. Like I said, over 350 programs. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, whatever you have, I would love to field them. Write me, Dr. J, at highbeamministry at gmail.com. That's highbeamministry at gmail.com. And by the way, you know, the ministry doesn't exist on air. We need your financial support. So we're just going to make the big ask right now. When you go to the website, click on the donate button. It's safe and secure through PayPal. Also subscribe because you'll get an email letting you know, hey, we got a new article. We have a new program. We've made some changes. We have new classes. We have online classes we're developing on the Feast of the Lord in the book of Daniel. And these are video classes with hundreds of pages of notes, great for Bible studies, etc. And check out the books. I did an entire year's through the Bible reading, and I wrote a commentary, informal commentary, to help you understand God's Word. You can find that on Amazon. There's a link on the site. So there's the commercial, Larry. Good job. Nice setup. Good job, Dr. J, the Truth Barista. Thanks. We'll talk to you again next week. Truth Barista Show listeners, this is Dr. Jay Christensen, and I want to challenge you to take a deep dive into your Bibles this year. How? By reading through your Bible, and I want to help you. Cruising Through the Bible is High Beam Ministries' year-round Bible reading schedule and commentary. All you have to do is follow the schedule in the book and read a few chapters of the Bible every day. Then, check out my thoughts on the day's reading. Now, I get it. The Bible is often hard to understand because it's written for ancient and first century people, and we're only about 2,000 years removed from them. That's why I wrote Cruising Through the Bible, to help you understand what you're reading and to connect what you've read with the rest of the Bible and make God's Word a part of your life. So, take the challenge. You'll find Cruising Through the Bible on Amazon.com. Go to Amazon.com, search Cruising Through the Bible, and you'll find it in monthly installments for print or Kindle. No huge commitment, although as a follower of Jesus, you really should know his whole word. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. But, Dr. J, what if I missed the beginning? 
What if I miss a day? Well, that's the beauty of it. You can jump in anytime you want. Remember, God's Word is alive, and no matter what you read, even the tough or the weird-to-you part, God will still speak to you and into your life. So, take the Read Through the Bible in a Year challenge, and let me help you. Go to Amazon.com, type in Cruisin' Through the Bible, and get started now. Oh, and coffee. Don't forget coffee. Coffee helps a lot. Okay, fine. Tea's good, too. So, just start cruising through the Bible today. Get High Beam Ministries Cruising Through the Bible on Amazon.com. the truth today? Dr. Jay Christensen is the truth barista and the founder of High Beam Ministry. Jay is a creative person who wants to use the setting of an imaginary cafe to produce a series of radio and internet programs that confront the issues of our day through the lens of the Bible. The Truth Barista was the avenue that was developed to communicate truth using the Bible as the source of our information. The Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry and can be found online at highbeamministry.com.